Gang, since they opened in 2012, I've been talking about the amazing rehearsal spaces and fabulous recording studio at Space Rehearsal and Recording here in Austin. Well, gang, Space has upped their game over the last couple of years and added a couple of new factions. One is a video production studio. Space ATX has taken the major leap forward in their evolution to serve Austin's music community with their new video production department. They're now offering professional video production for bands, live streaming, live sessions, podcasts, and just about anything you can imagine. They've also added a creator studio. Maybe you want to take your TikTok or YouTube videos to the next level, or it's time to stop using your cell phone pics for all of your PR photos. Their newest production room is waiting for you. You can also book their in-house video or photography services or bring a freelancer to get the job done yourself. That's space, rehearsal, and recording located just a few short miles south of downtown Austin. They now offer rehearsal studios, audio recording, video production, a creator studio, and more. Go to spaceatx.com to find out more. And take the talent train from Schmoesville to ProTown with space, rehearsal, recording, and video production. Let's get down. Hey, gang, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of How Did I Get Here? I know you have a lot of choices out there, and the fact that you're listening to this episode right now is not lost on me, so thank you. I'm not sure what platform you're listening on, but whatever platform you're on, give us a follow. And if you like what you hear, leave us a rating. It takes just a second, and it means the world to me. Plus, it really helps the show. So thank you in advance. And remember, the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here are available on all streaming services. Now, enjoy the show. your host welcome to the show i hope you guys i've all had a good week this week it's been a really great week this week i've had a fantastic week playing music with my friends and uh actually i want to plug a couple of shows that i have coming up if you're listening to this show the day that it comes out that's friday february 23rd tonight skyrocket the band that i'm in that plays the super hits from the 70s and 80s seven person band five singers people switching instruments and singers the whole time great show uh, is happening tonight at 8.30 at 310 ACL Live here in Austin. G- always a great time. There's a huge LED screen. We have videos going the whole time. We did a whole year residency there, playing every couple of months last year, and we're doing that again this year. So this is the first night of our yearly residency at uh, our bi-month, or every other month residency, however you say that, at 310 ACL Live. It's going to be a great show tonight, February 23rd. Go to skyrockettheband.com if you need to find out more about Skyrocket the Band. And uh, you can also get tickets there by going to our show dates. Uh, and then Monday, gang, my other band, Happy Land, where I'm one of the four singer-songwriters that fronts that band, along with Kimmy Rhodes, Gabriel Rhodes, Sean Pander. We have a great band that includes Louis Rhodes on keyboards, uh, Harmony Kelly on bass, and John Chipman on drums. And, of course, I'm one of the singer-songwriters in the band. We are playing our final uh night of our residency and we're not playing any more shows for like four months so if you have not seen happy land we've been playing the last couple of months every monday opening for bob schneider at the saxon pub and this monday february 26th is our final 
performance doing that. And we will be off from playing shows for a couple of months. I know we're going to be putting out music. I don't know when that's coming out, but we'll be writing and recording music and getting stuff done. And then at the end of the summer, we will come back and start playing shows again. So come on out and see Happy Land. That is Monday, February 26th at the Saxon Pub at 6 p.m. here in Austin. Now, you know what I'm doing in between the the ACL Live, uh, the, the 310 ACL Live show and the Saxon Pub show? After my show at, at 310 ACL Live, I will come home and go to sleep and fly out to Miami at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday for my Aunt Mary Lou's 80th surprise birthday. It sounds like a good time, but gang, I've been talking to the family and it's it's been insane. There's already people that aren't going. There's people that are fighting. There have been people that have been asked not to go. And I'm flying from Texas to go to this thing. I don't even know what I'm going to write. My dad hasn't talked to me since last May, and I'm going to this party. He's going to be there, but of course, other people I know aren't going to. It's just, it's crazy. I don't know how, like, I don't know if you have a family that has that sort, those sort of issues, like warring factions within the family where you can't ever hang out the whole family together anymore because people hate each other. But I think I get along with everyone. I don't think there's anyone that really dislikes me except for some of my half siblings. I will, I will go so far as to say, I don't think they like me very much. And I understand that. That's totally cool. Uh, I'm okay with that. And I love them. Okay, maybe that was too much information, but I'm a little stressed out about it. You will hear all about it on Tuesday's show. Tuesday's show, I will have Sarah Dossie on the show from Dossie and Kevin. Uh, I'm very excited to have her on the show. But gang, I have a great, great, great show for you guys today. A great show for you guys today. Juno nominated Canadian First Nation musician Adrian Sutherland is my guest on the show today. Uh, he's got a brand new record coming out on March 19th. It's called Precious Diamonds. There's some singles that are available already now. Natawe, which is uh, his native language, Cree, uh, for, for father. Uh, Diamonds, Precious. And he's got a brand new single out called My Rebel Spirit, which I will play on the show. Now, um, Adrian lives in the northern part of Canada. Um, in a very, very, very far, he was born and raised in Canada's far north, and he is a Atawapiskat First Nation, and he's he's a Cree, and he lives on James Bay in in the north part of uh, of Canada. Anyway, we spoke back, I think, in very early January. I had a really great conversation. He is not just. He's not just a, a singer, songwriter, and like a great roots rock guy. He is a great songwriter. And this record, Precious Diamonds, is great. I urge you to go listen to it. And you can find him at adriansutherlandmusic.com. That's where you can find all his stuff. And this record, Precious Diamonds, as I said, drops March 19th. Okay? Um, so he's not just a singer, songwriter, and, and a... And a uh, a musician and stuff. He's a family man. He's a master corporal in the Canadian Ranger Patrol. He uh, he lends himself to a lot of causes and works uh, for his for his people, uh, the Atawapiskat First Nation, the Cree, the people of. I think that's how, exactly how you say it. I'm not quite sure. Anyway. He also works tirelessly on causes uh, like uh, making sure people don't have clean water to drink, uh, works on food insecurities, addiction, uh, housing shortages. He also leads teens and troubled teens on wilderness and cultural trips. He's a really great guy, and he's writing this book for, uh, for Random House, which I guess will be coming out probably in the next couple of years, that it's about being born and raised in uh, Atawapiskat, 
and uh, and just kind of like all the issues that he cares about. As I said, stuff like communi- uh, contaminated water, food insecurity, housing shortages. Anyway, we have a really, really great conversation. It's a fantastic dude. We, uh, I, you know, a lot of it too is like, how did you become a rock musician living in this really remote area? Like, how did you get things going? Like, how did you go out and play? How did you end up being a Juno nominated artist? You know what I mean? Like, how did you end up getting your music out from there out into the world and how did you how did how did you do that it was a really really fantastic conversation very thoughtful human being very intelligent human being and uh, i had a great time talking to him so without further ado canadian roots rocker and activist adrian sutherland and me chatting it up enjoy it let's get down So it's cold, huh? Oh, uh, yeah, it's getting cold. I mean, it's been a mild, mild uh, start to winter uh, so far, but uh, we had uh, we had a good blast of winter uh, last night, and today we got some um, snow coming through. So the wind's a little blustery, but, uh, yeah, it's a little chilly. Yeah, man, you look bundled up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm probably way overdressed. I have to come out of the house and walk across to get into the – the studio so i uh, throw on a sweater and a tooth every time i come out in the winter is that where do you do like demo recording and stuff in there in the studio or what what goes on in that studio yeah um i so, see i see all i see is a nord and a ukulele <laughs> oh yeah that um i just i picked that up um a little while back uh from from a family member who was, who was getting rid of it but uh yeah I, so this is where i do all my demos right in this little space nice man uh, yeah. I, I'm in that same kind of space here. I'm in Austin, Texas. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Have you ever been down back. here to play like South by Southwest or anything? No, no. Um, I haven't been down there. I've been to the U S I went down to the U S, uh, to record my, my most recent album back yeah. in May. Yeah. Down in Nashville, right? That's right. Before we get into that, man, you you wrote this song that I couldn't stop listening to. Uh, it's not it's not on this this uh, this upcoming record, Precious Diamonds, but it's called "Once That Was You." Oh yeah, yeah, dude. That's like uh, I don't even. It's like nineteen seventy three. You know what I mean? Like awesome yeah. singer songwriter makes it a, a hit pop song with strings and all that. Yeah, yeah, no, um, exactly. I think what we were going for with with that album was we were kind of sort of at a, it was it was out of that uh, Phil Spector era with you know the sixties era anyway that whole sound you know kind of out of the woods or whatever. Um, so we were able to capture that kind of feel and, and that vibe uh, for that entire album. Yeah, most of a, it anyway. What a great song, man! Thank you, thank you. 
appreciate it. Yeah, man, you're a fantastic song. And these new songs are fantastic. Uh, Diamonds, uh, uh, Precious, and also uh, Notawe. Am I saying that right? Yep. Okay. That means father? That's right, yeah. Tell, tell me about that song because I don't understand anything you're saying in it. Yeah, well, Nostawi is really it was a it was a song um, that sort of came about. Uh, I would say some time in the last six to eight months, somebody had put the the idea in my head to write a you know a song about fathers and, and the loss of fathers. Uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, people in my life, especially particularly men, I guess, and then some some women uh, that have lost you know their fathers or parents and stuff like that. Just, you're just at that age now, I think, where we begin to have these kind of losses. Um, uh, for me, it was been, it was uh, always been um, uh, something I've dealt with my entire life. You, you know, the kind of loss I had was a different one, I think, because uh, I lost I lost my father when I was a boy, a young young boy. So, um, so it was uh, it was sort of a different, um, I guess, different kind of grief, you know, to experience uh, the loss of a parent as a child than it would be to to experience it when you're, you know, spent your entire life knowing them and then they suddenly, you know, depart of old age or, or whatever. So anyway, the idea came about to write the song. So I wrote it and I, and I decided to write it in my language. And it really is about, it's just, a, it's almost like a cinematic kind of a story, but in my language, just saying, I wake up every morning and I look for you and you're not here. Um, you know, uh, you shed the tears, you know, for that person you know, that kind of grief comes and goes. Um, but I always get up and I keep going. I keep moving forward. You know, I have uh, sort of the sort of, so that's sort of the message is always to keep moving forward. And uh, the, the, there's a positive, positive spin. It, it is to keep moving forward. And, uh, you know, and at the end, there's sort of a bridge section or an outro or, you know, it sort of gets really uh, emotional. Um, it's really just, if you have parents, you know, take the time to tell them you love them and, and uh, make sure that uh, you tell them that and, and you uh, respect them, you know, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And it's also it's a beautiful song, even if you don't know exactly what you're saying, you get the feeling of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, I was asked to to to. Uh, put out the English, the English translation, like the lyrics. So I did provide them. They should be coming out soon, but it was like more of the literal translations, which, which sometimes always sounds a bit weird because yeah, yeah. you lose some sentiment. You, you kind of get lost in, in, in some of the translation. But because, as you know, in a lot of languages, um, um, other than English, when you translate into English, sometimes it's difficult um, to get across what you're trying to say. Uh, especially in my language, there's a lot of words that we can't, there's no English words for some words, right? Right. Uh, can you, what, what is, how, how do you say the name of your language? I'm oh, sorry, um, I, well, just, I just don't want to butcher anything and be disrespectful and then get a bunch of emails. Oh, no, no, not <laughs> at all. Oh, well, in, in English, it's Cree. It, it, we're, we're known as the Cree tribe, um, okay. but uh, so many different dialects um in canada there's even some up in the northern part of the states there's different dialects there of cree cree tribes um but yeah there's a woodland cree northern cree there's the swampy cree um 
Rocky Boy, I think Montana Cree, like there's a a whole bunch of different ones. So my my dialect is Omishkigwak. That's how I say it in my language. But if you were to describe where I come from in my in, in the English, you, we would just say Omishkigwak Cree. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you're you're heavily involved, and and like there's a there's a you you have a very strong connection to to your roots. I do, you know, um, which is why I still live live up here in the north, um, because it, it I feel grounded. I feel really connected to to my culture up here, and uh, for 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 the longest time, um, I wa- I wanted to be here, but lately I've been thinking about wanting to maybe move, you know, south uh, for, for my children and my grandchildren's sake, you know, thinking about certain things, uh, services and opportunities that we don't necessarily get up here because we're so remote. Um, so, but yeah, for the longest time, you know, I, I chose to be here, to be connected and to be grounded and to be near my culture and my language and the land uh, where my ancestors lived and roamed freely. And uh, I, you know, I want to, I wanted to raise my family that way, and, and uh, I did. You know, I gave them every opportunity to learn about our culture and our belief system, and uh, I've been very, uh, very, uh, you know, immersed in all of that my whole life, and and have tried to give the kids the same sort of upbringing um, that I had. How many kids do you have? Four. I have two boys and two girls. Uh, the girls are like, you know, in their late twenties; they're on their own now. And uh, my boys, uh, my youngest is still here at home. He's 17. And uh, we have a 20-year-old son. Wow. That's a, yeah. it's a whole tribe on, onto itself. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so yeah, where you are is pretty remote. Like you can't, you don't just go play like a gig. Like there's no place to go play over there tonight. No, I mean, no, there isn't. There's no venues for me to play in, unfortunately. So I don't get to play very often while I'm at home. But I get asked, like, all the time to go to a social or somebody might be having at their camp just adjacent to the to the village, like, out in the bush. And bring your guitar, you know. Yeah, we're going to be singing some songs around the campfire, that kind of thing. Uh, I get, you know, some of those, some of those calls. Um, I do, <laughs> you know, birthdays, uh, uh, celebrations. Uh, I get asked to come and sing, you know, half hour or whatever. So I, you know, I do it because I'm here, I'm home, and you know, and I've, I, I want to be accessible to people, especially people that are close to me in my life, and uh, so I go out and do stuff like that. Okay, so but I mean, you know, you know the reputation that Austin, the city I live in, has, right? Um, like it's it's. It, when you get off the plane on the on the wall of the airport, it says "Welcome to the live music capital of the world." So there, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not, but there's but there's at least like seventy shows I could go see tonight on a Monday. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I might be exaggerating, but maybe by ten, not not much. But um, uh, how did you how, how did you like? Well, I guess first of all, were you you were raised up there? You were born and raised up there. That's right. Yeah. And so, how did how did you connect with music? How did you see it as something you could do? Where did you learn it? Like, like how did how did all of this happen? Well, I think my first very 
very first exposure to music was through my mom. My mom uh, played guitar. So that was my very first okay. sort of, you know, uh, lens and, and, and I guess view or sort of or very early, you know, um, experience was through my mom. So she played. And just a, a little bit of a background. She, she learned to play, uh, you know, guitar in the residential schools. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the, the residential school legacy in Canada. Um, but anyway, she, she she turned to music, you know, because there was some very uh, difficult things happening in those schools. So she turned to music. They had access to music, guitars, and instruments. She played music and uh, played guitar. So I started to play at a young age. I picked up the guitar, and uh, and then I wasn't, you know, obviously I, I couldn't play the thing. So uh, I was frustrated with the guitar immediately. So I just started to sing, 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 sing. I did. I had records, and we had our turntable. So, and uh, I didn't have, I only had a couple of records. Um, what were they? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Mini Pops was one of them. So things like the Yellow Submarine, uh, you know, like sing along to those records. Uh, In the jungle, the mighty jungle, yeah, yeah. the lion. All that stuff, you mean, so, you know, I would sing to that. Um, <laughs> and some of, the hits, some of the hits in those, I remember, uh, were... Um, uh, what was it? Abra, abracadabra, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeopardy, baby. Ooh, yeah. so some of those things I was getting uh, from my, from my mom and my father uh, on the records. But uh, but yeah, that was the earliest. And then my uncles all played. They all played in rock rock cover bands, and I was always hanging around because they, there was people always jamming around the house and or jamming out in the back shed, and it was all like CCR stuff, old classic rock. Uh, you know, Neil Young, um, um, you know, Tom Petty, all that stuff. That was my early, early uh, kind of, you know, um, uh, I guess, uh, influences were, were, you know, bands like Tom Petty and, and Neil Young and CCR, Bruce Springsteen, that kind of stuff. And then I, I, as I got older, I just started to, you know, really take take an interest in uh, music. I, I started playing guitar, I started playing cover bands. Um, back then it was very, still very difficult to get access to any, you know, any music outside of the community because we live so far north, uh, we didn't have access to a CD store or a record store because you couldn't get cassette tapes or anything like that, uh, without ordering by mail or whatever through a catalog, which could take up the months, you know, to get anything in. So, wow. uh, so it was very, very limited, you know, the influences that I had, whatever I could get my hands on. Um, you know, I would, you know, first thing, the first thing, one of the biggest things that I got my hands on back in those days was uh, Neil Young's Heart of Gold. And from the first time I heard that song, I just couldn't, I couldn't put it down and I had to learn it. So I had to, you know, I learned on guitar, I learned to sing it, I learned to play. The harmonica you know, thing? Yeah, yeah. That was the only reason why I picked it up yeah. was because of that song, right? And of course, I never even had a harmonica, but I knew the old man next door had one, <laughs> and it was one of those one of the I forget what they're called, but it's got two keys and built in. You just flip them, and it's it's quite clunky. And I said, "Can I borrow your uh, your wind instrument?" And he's like, uh, I, "I guess <laughs> it's probably something I wouldn't I, I wouldn't recommend to anyone doing is sharing a wind instrument with your neighbor, but." <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, he, he let me use it, and uh, I had it for a couple of weeks. 
he came, he came calling for it one day. He said, when are you going to give me my thing? My, uh, my, my harmonica back. He, he's like, uh, so I had to give it back to him uh, after a couple of weeks. But, um, but I had one performance with that, um, with that harmonica before I, I had given it back to him. So, yeah, so I had, I had, you know, my influences and I had, I had a little bit of music I could get my, you know, ears on. And, and then from that, it just kind of, you know, it, it just kind of, my curiosity just kind of grew. Right. And music for me has always been an escape, an escape, uh, escaping my world that I lived in because, um, growing up here, uh, it was tough, you know, you had to be tough. You had to be, uh, fearless, um, in a lot of ways. So, and, and, uh, if you weren't those things, it was pretty hard, pretty hard to survive and endure things up here. Yeah. But I, I mean, but like, it, it's, it's difficult to survive on like, uh, 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 like the most basic level, like it's, it's fucking freezing cold and shit like that. Right. Exactly. Like, um, I mean, we had to, <laughs> it was so cold that we couldn't leave the house in the winter without my grandma used to, we used to make, uh, she used to make these animal furs that we had to put in our underwear to keep our, you know, our, our privates from freezing. Like we had to wear them as we left the house every winter. That's how cold it was. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Dude, that's, that's, it's, yeah, I can only imagine. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if you, if you remember a couple of years ago, there was a thing called snowpocalypse that happened in Texas where it froze for more than 24 hours and we didn't have power for like a week. And it was like yes, literally the end of the world for us. Yes, I remember. Yeah, it was. Uh, Did you guys laugh yeah, we, at all at that? Well, I would say it was, yeah, we might have laughed a little bit, but, uh, you know, when you're not prepared for, when you're not prepared for those kind of things, it's like, you kind of feel bad, you know, um, for, for people that have to, to kind of, in, you know, experience that thing, it's, especially if you haven't ever lived through a day of cold in your life. So no dude. I mean, look, I, I come from a place that like when I, I was on tour in the year 2000 and it was winter time and we were playing in Rhode Island and it was 22 degrees and it was kind of snowing. And I just assumed the gig wasn't happening. And my tour manager was like yelling at me on the phone. Like, where are you? I'm like, I'm up in my room. Are we really going to play? I was like, no, it's cold and it's snowing. And he's like, this is in Texas where they cancel everything. Like, (laughs) so yeah. So I've definitely a different climate. Um, so the, the thing is then like, uh, it's funny because it, when you, I'm sure telling your kids, like I, when I wanted to get a record, I either had to wait months after ordering it or travel to like the biggest city, whatever that is, make like a pilgrimage to, to the record store with like your list of things you had to get. Um, there was like a, an appreciation of those records when you get them. That's a little bit different than being able to just immediately access whatever you you can right then in the palm of your hand. Right. Exactly. I mean, it was, uh, it, you know, I, I had not really seen the outside world as a young boy. And then, you know, all I, I always wondered what it was like to go beyond that tree line. You know what I mean? That, that spruce tree line. That's so, uh, prominent up here where I live. And one day, you know, when, when I had, you know, that, that opportunity came to go and see the South, it was just like a complete, to me, it was like a whole different world, you know. Um, and then I left, I left home uh, at 13 
to board in uh, in in the south for high school because there were no schools where I lived. So everybody had to leave uh, home um, at, at a young age to go board in the cities. So it was uh, it was a it was a it was a bit of a shock, you know, like to to be landing. I, I landed in a French home of all places, and they didn't speak any English. Um, so it was uh, there were there were some English, but it was almost ninety percent French. So it was uh, it was it was hard for me to communicate, you know, with uh, with family. But uh, yeah, just uh, to, so you appreciate. Um, Wait, I guess you hold on because this is a very very foreign uh, concept to me. So. This is like where you grew up is like a town without teenagers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's so funny to me. But but so you you went to a school but not lived in like a boarding uh like you would if you went to like private school or something. You went and lived in in somebody's home like an exchange student in a way. Yeah, that's right. Wow. That is really, and then you barely spoke the language. I mean, do you, do you still stay in touch with them? You know, with that family or? or? Oh, oh, uh, recently, I, yeah, I heard from one of the the just actually funny you say that because somebody reached out to me from that family. Um, they were Belafons. They reached out to me about a week ago, and I haven't heard from them in, in a long time. And Dinaj, uh, who was who was my boarding parent um, at the time, lovely, lovely lady. Um, had had passed away, you know, several years ago now. So I uh, I would I kind of lost touch ever since she passed away. But but every now and then over the years, would you know I'd run into them in the city or whatever uh, to our gateway cities. Not it's not a big city, so you kind of when you when you run into people that you you know it's it's you know yeah. you remember from like that. So yeah. I mean, I can only imagine like those people after not seeing you in years, and then all of a sudden seeing you nominated for a Juno Award, like just like. You know what I mean? Like jaw on the floor. Like were the people in your village like freaking out? You know what? It's it's a weird it's 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 a weird place to live. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I was I was hoping for you know maybe a, a nice dinner or a welcome home when I got <laughs> off the plane. But I didn't get any any. There were no. There was nothing. So I was like. There was another plane taxiing off the runway as I was getting off mine, and I got a, a face full of dirt from the plane taking off, picking up all the dust and stuff. That's all I got when I got home. But my, my family actually uh, put a nice dinner on for me, my daughters and my wife. So it was, uh, you know, that's the most important thing I, I think is, is having your family support and and, and uh, show the that kind of appreciation for what you're doing or trying to do. You know. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so funny because you're, uh, you're, I've done like over 1300 episodes of this and I, I don't like, I don't think I've ever talked to a guy. Like, do you hunt for your own food and stuff? Yeah, I do a lot of hunting. I grew up, uh, I grew up in the, on the land. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time out, out there, uh, sometimes weeks, um, you know, and longer, uh, just hunting, surviving, living. Uh, I did some trapping when I was young. Um, that was a thing back then. Trapping was, uh, everyone did it and, uh, everyone hunted because of, we didn't have, we didn't have food like at the store. It was just like canned or sometimes you get some, we never had like frozen product. We never had produce. That's for sure. Like you never had access to, to vegetables and stuff like that growing up here. 
So any anything outside of meat, you had to get, you know, you had to forage for it here in the north. Um, so big part of our diet was fish, um, um, uh, venison, you know what I mean? The stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goose, caribou. And then we had lots of berries, 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 berries to kind of mix in with all that. And fat from the animal that was, you know, saved and stored and used uh, for almost every meal. Yeah. It's good. It's good that you raised your kids out there because it, it would be terrible to be like living in the city and having your dad lay this lay this trip on you all the time. Every time you're complaining that the like the internet is slow or something. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Well, my kids, my boys, I always tell them you're, they're privileged, you know, because um, uh, compared to you know how I was raised and and compared to some of the other kids here in 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 our in our village. They, you know, they paddle a lot easier and I, t- I keep telling them, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta push yourselves, you know, you gotta, you, you, you gotta be becoming responsible young men. And I always talk about becoming, you know, warriors, you know, like it, people, warriors to me is somebody who's going to provide, protect their families um, and, and be good, you know, and help their communities be better, better places to live. Those are the kind of the things I try to teach my boys. And sometimes it's like, um, you know, you gotta really kick them in the arse to get them going. Yeah. <laughs> Did I bet you're a good dad? Yeah, I, I you know, I bet I've I've been trying so hard, you know, to be the best partner I can be, um, to be uh, a role model for the boys. And I was talking to my wife last night, like we've been planning this trip to the bush for a long time, and weather hasn't been cooperating. We have a bunch of family stuff going on. There's just so many different layers of stuff beneath it all. And we're all trying to make it work. And I, and I tell her like, you know, I, I, it's like, you're, you're trying so hard to, to make it all work for everyone. Sometimes it just doesn't quite, it's not enough, you know? And uh, so it's frustrating for me as, as a father, uh, you know, you're trying to just do what you can and, 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 and just life sometimes gets, gets in the way and you can make it all work. But uh, the important thing is, well, we all have our health and we're all in good good spirits and uh, there's a lot of love in the family and um, you know, all this other stuff will, I will come, you know, eventually I, I believe. So, yeah. So, uh, so dude, what, what made you want to go to Nashville to record? Well, um, <laughs> good question. Uh, well, I think uh, I've gone through a lot of changes with music in the last, I'd say last, particularly the last few years, like COVID happened um, uh, before that, I was touring with my band, uh, Midnight Shine. Right. As COVID happened and that stopped. Then it allowed me to go and do a solo project, which I did during uh, during pandemic. And the plan was, before pandemic, I had made plans to go down to Nashville to record with Colin Linden, uh, who I met um, in 2019, doing a, a series of shows with him and his band. And uh, we kind of connected, uh, you know, uh, at a certain level, and he expressed interest and wanted to do some work with me, and uh, which I thought was great because uh, he's he's such a uh, an amazing guy and an amazing musician and producer. Um, I, I was like, sure, uh, immediately I was like, yes, you know, definitely, I would like love to work with you, love to come down and, and do some recording. So that didn't happen, and then uh, so second time around, we we wanted to work on another album together. But this time, you know, we said we'd get down to Nashville and do it down in his studio. So that was really kind of the driving force behind all that. 
and you know, Colin's been really, really one of the only people um, outside of my small team that I have that has been really supportive of me as an artist. He's been really wanting to, to, to uh, you know, like support what I'm doing, support my music, help bring it to life. You know, I've been, I've been uh, put through the ringer quite a bit, you know, especially in the last, I'd say, two years. I've had people just drop me like nothing. And uh, so it's been frustrating. You know, it's been a frustrating uh, past couple of years. I've had people attack me and lash out and say horrible things about me that aren't true. So a lot of, a lot of, a lot of crappy things have been going on uh, in the music you? world. For me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's all like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, what? it's people demonize you because I think, you know, um, they're for some reason they're, I don't know. They're jealous or they don't like what, what you represent. Or I, what I you're understand doing. that. And, and you, when you, uh, I mean, you, 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 you step out and, and you obviously, uh, have no problem speaking your mind and standing up for, uh, many different causes that affect, uh, your own people, the people around you. Uh, and I get, I could see how that would draw some, some uh, unwanted energy. Yeah, you get your head up and, you know, people start taking shots at you, you know, sometimes. And uh, you just, uh, you know, I've been able to push through it, but it, uh, to be honest, it's been a little frustrating at times. And I think in having, you know, having people like Colin who are supporting me and continuing to support my music and me as an artist, as a person, yeah. and uh, having those kind of people in, in, in my life, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really grateful for that, you know, and uh, because not everyone out there is has good intentions uh, and that's what I've learned over the years and uh, they'll drop you just as quick as you know like that if they don't like what you're saying or they don't like what you're doing or where you come from or um, yeah it's just the reality of I guess the business um, I, I was really moved by uh, by by your writing as and sort of the power and in, in the honesty behind it does that make sense yeah, it does. There's a lot of strength in there. The song "Politician Man" that's a great song. Has something yeah. to say, and it's not. Uh, sadly, it's timeless. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I hate to laugh, but it's true. It's it's timeless. It is. It's, it's totally. Um, you know, uh, I think everyone can relate to to the song. You know. Um, we've seen the behavior of politicians worldwide, uh, quite, have been quite, you know, quite similar. And, uh, it's, it's, a, we're in a, we're in a really, I don't know, strange time. I find, um, everything is, seems to me we're in a state of flux, you know, everything, the whole world is like, I don't know, just, it seems like it's going to crap, but, um, there's still, there's still a lot of good things out there. I think, uh, I don't want to, you know, make people lead people to believe that we're all going down, but I think there's still a lot of great things out there for sure. Um, and I want to make sure, I, uh, people don't, don't get me wrong, but, um, sometimes it just certainly feels like, you know, things could be better, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you guys have this sort of same political, uh, I mean, it's not at the same level that we have it right now. Is it this sort of insanity? Yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, well, our, our, our leader has been 
you know, been labeled as an authoritarian and, you know, there's just, just a lot of stuff going on right now in the country politically uh, at the federal, you know, at the federal level. Um, and, you know, uh, I've been sort of at the other end of it uh, for, for many, many, many years. Like, we've been so under service where I live, there's been no access to clean drinking water for my entire life. It's almost, I'll, I'll be 47 in a couple of days. So my, my entire existence, I've had no, you know, access to clean drinking water. How? I'm uh, health- oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to just give you, you know, go on and yeah, on yeah. and on, but I, you know, I digress. But, but yeah, so that's the reality, you know, and, and you would think, and in, in country has always prided its, pr- this country, Canada has always, you know, um, pride itself on being one of the best countries in the world. And we're, what are we like a, a, a G7 country and, and, and there's so many people living with, without proper health care, uh, people living on the streets, everywhere you turn in, in the cities, it's horrible. There's an opiate epidemic. Um, there's people with no access to electricity, uh, water, plumbing, like all over the place. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not it, all of it, North America, really. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I think a lot of similarities exist across the border, you know, from, you know, when I went down to Nashville, I, I felt like there were a lot of familiarities in, in, in just being in Nashville um, in, in the little time that I spent down there. But um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just a lot of, uh, there's a, there's a lot of crazy things and you would think, um, you know, these things like getting access to clean drinking water to all Canadians would be something, yeah. Uh, that our politicians could do, you know, and make happen. But I mean, it's, it's obviously not something they can make happen. It's interesting that our sort of like the focus, I know that there's stuff happening in Louisiana and the Southern part of the United States and, and happening everywhere, but our most sort of uh, well-known uh, water problem comes in Flint, Michigan, which is up there as well. Yeah. I mean, you're far North from that, but. Yeah, well, I've been I've been down in, uh, to Michigan, um, to Michigan particularly, but yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I always want I want to be clear too because we we have water everywhere. We have like thousands of lakes, freshwater lakes and rivers and stuff like that. But so, you can't turn on the faucet and drink the water that comes out of it. Exactly. So that's that's. I just wanted to make sure that I was being clear that. We can't turn the tap and have clean. Actually, our our water is so toxic that you can't breathe the vapor from the from the from the uh, faucet because it's bad for your health. <laughs> so you can't bathe longer than two minutes because it's it's so toxic. So you got to be in and out of the you know the shower and, or the bath or whatever. So two minutes is a pretty quick shower, you know. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, that is intense. Um, I want to also I may talk a little bit about some of this work that you do. You're a master corporal in the Canadian Ranger Patrol. Yes, you know. Um, I... That's not like a, a guy in the red shirt with the hat, right? Is it? It is, yeah. Oh, that's killer, dude. Yeah. Um, so, well, I've been part of the I've been part of the patrol group here uh, probably a decade now. I first started when I was 18, um, going back over 20 years, and then they released me for some reason. I don't know why, but I got released, and uh, and then they then they they kept begging me to come back for a long time, 
And I kept just kind of, you know, giving them the cold shoulder. And I, and I finally gave in to them about a, a 10 years ago. I said, sure, I'll come back. And I joined, I joined the, uh, the Ranger program again, and uh, i was uh, been Master Corporal ever since. I haven't been uh, as active as I'd like to be because I've been just so busy with, you know, the music in the last 10 years. And they've been really understanding and really supportive of, you know, just go do your thing, you know, as long as you're around for this and this and that. And um, so uh, there's a lot of changes coming down the pipes with that program too. I think they're um, they're going to be modifying, from what I understand, modifying the whole the whole uh, uh, patrol group. Um, be working closely with the army and training their soldiers for winter survival and all sorts of stuff like that. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next few years with the with the Ranger Patrol group. That's so awesome, man. Yeah, it is it's kind of a neat thing, you know, to be yeah. a part of something like that. Sure. I could I could you know, I've I've served my country, you know, I've I've gone out and done things like search and rescue, served my community certainly uh, have represented, you know, um certainly my community in the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's uh, that's uh commendable. Yeah, thank awesome, you. Awesome, man. Yeah. Um so, also, I read that you are writing a book for Penguin Random House Canada. That's there's no end to like you're like a, I, you're like a, a multifaceted like a Renaissance man, out in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I've I've kind of been told, not I haven't been, I've, I've never been described that way. I've been told. More like, I think it's time for you to grow up. <laughs> you know, I've been told that. So, <laughs> kind of pick one thing and just stick with it and grow up already. But, but uh, you know, I've been, I just, I don't know what it is, but I've always felt like I had to just stay busy and do things. And I've really had to scale back on a lot of other things that I've kind of, you know, was taken on over the years. It's just too much. You know, I can't manage it all anymore. So, so I kind of weaned it down to just family um, music and culture, you know, doing stuff and trying to combine those three things together wherever possible, always, you know, trying to put them all together sure. and make it all work. So, uh, um, you know, and, and yeah, so writing this book, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the publisher's giving me basically, you know, a whole open can, like a whole blank canvas to just write whatever you, whatever you want. Um, but I think uh, w- one of the, one of the biggest things I think they're really curious about is hearing the story, hearing the perspective from somebody who's lived in this place, you know, their entire life, who's been here and grinding it out um, and, and telling it from that side of the, you know, uh, from that side of the, the, I guess, um, I don't know how to, how to say it properly, but coming from somebody who actually lived here, because I don't know if you're familiar with my community, but if you were to Google Ottawapiskat, you would see all the terrible, terrible stories that have come out of this place and have depicted as very dark and troubled and has all sorts of issues and uh, yada, yada, yada. And they like, show you- like poverty, alcoholism, drug addiction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Suicide, crisis, suicide, you know, if you name it, it's all there. And so everything's been depicted as just being so troubled. Yes, those problems exist. They have for, for quite some time. And, uh, but there's just so many other things that there's so much good going on here too. You know, it's not just all the bad stuff. 
And I think they want to hear, you know, part of it is they want to hear from somebody, like I said, who's been here and, and have, you know, somebody tell the story from a different narrative. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those are problems that are at least as a person that's not super involved that gets the story from the media and stuff. That's the same story we hear from Native American communities as well here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what in Canada were were the indigenous tribes there kind of uh, wrangled up and put on reservations like they were here? Yes, they were forced into the reservations. I mean, there was a lot of. I mean, I, I guess we we've had it bad. Um, probably not as bad as the American Indian Wars uh, were, uh, but it's been pretty bad. You know, they they put um, a lot of basically 80, over like almost 80% of the population, the, the, uh, the indigenous population actually died off uh, in the late 1700s, 1800s from sicknesses. The, that were brought the, over to, from Europe. Yeah, I guess that that's sort of this sort of, um, I guess the common theme, but no, when you look at the history and you and read up on some of that stuff that was going on on the literature that's available, to you and the accounts of people that were writing about what was going on. The first nations were, or the indigenous people felt that the sickness was coming. They didn't know where it was coming from. They didn't know how to deal with it, but it wiped out <laughs> just clans and, and huge um, um, numbers of people right across the country, especially in the plains. The plains, I think, had it the worst. Um, but uh yeah, so we've had it pretty bad in terms of, you know, um, things like uh, epidemics coming through here and wiping us out. But then, and then, then came the, when Canada became a, a, a country, they started to move all the kids into these residential schools. Um, and I know they existed in, in the U.S. as well. And this is where some of the horrors happened to, to these kids. You know, there was this, it's all coming out now. I mean, you know, the truth ha- is out and, you know, it was just horrible, horrible, horrible stuff that were going on in those schools. And many kids died, you know, many kids died from malnourishment, from being mistreated, um, you know, from being abused, uh, um, you know, just the list goes on and on and on. And and so that's had a very, um, um, it's had a very negative impact on our people and it still continues to sort of, it's still very much alive. You know what I mean? It's yeah. still alive in a lot of the communities uh, uh, here in Canada. So we're just, we're trying to figure it all out. We're trying to, you know, get past a lot. Some families like my, our family, I think we've been able to sort of put a lot of that behind and, and, and try to have a better life, you know, for, for, our, for our kids. And uh, some families are, are still struggling, you know, because um, um, those wounds are still very, very much, very much raw. So I think everybody's in their sort of own little, uh, you know, place of, of healing and, and, and uh, kind of moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so on a lighter note, uh, oh, wait, so, so your book, sorry, before we get off of your book, um, it's, it's going to be a more positive, like shine a light on more of the positive aspects of, Yeah, um, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, a lot of different things. So, 
<laughs> I started off as a young boy, you know, in my experience. I mean, the story just it just keeps, for me, my story, it goes, um, it's, it's not an easy one, you know. I'm half Jewish and half Crete. So, wow. you know, in those days, um, I was rejected by, after my father died, I was rejected by my Jewish family and my Cree family. So it was difficult because of the rejection, you know, in those days, old fashioned traditions and stuff were, you know, it was, it was different. You know what I mean? So I I had to deal with a lot of that. And, uh, so as a kid, you know, I, uh, I had, I had pretty tough. And so I was, I felt it was important for me to talk about that, what it was like for me. Cause that really has, that's what's kind of driven me all my life is that rejection, that loss and, you know, being treated that way. And I think that's kind of always lit a fire in me to want to be better, to be a better father, to be a better partner, to give the, to, to do what I'm doing with music, you know? And I think that's where that drive comes from, um, for me anyway. And, and again, it's just being bullied, you know, I've been bullied my whole life, even in my adult, still getting bullied in my professional. I get bullied here in town all the time by people and uh it's it's horrible so those things are important i think to talk about i think they're important because it, it 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 paints a bigger picture of this this huge problem we have toxicity that exists in our communities particularly first nation communities in canada and these inappropriate behaviors that exist even at at, at uh in 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 our governments our own governments here in our communities that it, it exists there. And I think it's important to talk about those things because um, not, you know, when you talk about it, you get labeled as being a, you know, an asshole or a troublemaker or shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. When you, you question things that aren't right and people start labeling, labeling you as like being difficult or, um, and then when they can't control you, uh, when you're, when you're smart or if you come across as being um, smarter than, yeah, people, they somehow, you know, uh, try to control how others see you by spreading misleading information or lies about you. Yeah, uh, I live in America, <laughs> man. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. So I think those things are, for me are important to talk about because, um, you know, um, it's the reality, you know, and it's the truth and yeah. people can't can't get along and we can't learn how to sort through stuff without resorting to to being toxic towards each other then how could we ever you know get things done you know there's a lot of work to be done here yeah you know we have no drinking water we have no service we have no youth programming we have poor weak institutions in our in our communities like we have work that has to be done here like we got to figure out how to how to do it like like normal adults can sit down without getting, getting at each other's throats, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Get to work then. Yeah. Well, dude, I admire you. I don't, I, 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 I think those people are crazy. I really do. Well, like, even just before I met you and I read, I read all this stuff. I was like very interested in like getting to know somebody, uh, like getting to know you, somebody with this kind of like, uh, life experience. Thank you, Dick. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. All right, so uh, the lighter note that I was getting to is, where do you stand on Triumph? 
On what? Sorry. On Triumph, the band. The band Triumph. Yeah. Where do I start? I'm sorry. I'm you know, not are you a with... fan of the band Triumph? I've never heard of Triumph. Is there a song? Maybe a hit? Yeah, a lot of hits, man. They're Canadian superstars, man. Uh, fight the <laughs> Good Fight, Magic Power. It's all this uplifting kind of like. They were they were popular in the 80s. They played the Us Festival. <laughs> I'm so I'm so bad like with uh, with bands and music, so... Okay, um, so I guess I'm, I guess Saga is not in your in your playlist either. Saga, it, it, it does ring a bell, but I, if I hear the music, I'll know. I'm just bad with names, the bands and stuff. These were Canadian bands that were incredibly popular in the region where I live in Texas. I actually yep. just I just watched a, a documentary about Triumph a couple weeks ago, and they broke in Texas, like in San Antonio. The next town over, yeah. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I'm always embarrassed because people will throw out band names or artist names, and I'm just like, I, I'll be like, who? <laughs> it's awful. Well, um, there's a wealth of great Canadian rock you're missing out on. <laughs> well, I, I know I'm I'm sure I'm familiar with the hits, but it's the names I, I'm really horrible with. I've always been really bad with the names, so. But the hits, I'm sure if I hear them, will will uh, will jar will yeah. jar something. Well, man, um, I hope that you're able to tour at some point soon because I'd love to come see you play. And I don't know if I'll make it to your village anytime soon. But if you make it to South by Southwest or something, I'd love to come and see you. Uh, your music's fantastic. You're a fantastic songwriter. These these songs that you're releasing now from the upcoming record, Precious Diamonds, which, by the way, comes out March 19th, 2024. Uh, the song Diamonds, song Precious, and, and Notawe uh, that we talked about. These are great songs. You're a fantastic songwriter, great singer. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, uh, I, I mean, I can't wait to get out down there and do some do some shows and, and get down and, and, and get out and tour again. Uh it's been a slow couple of years for me, uh, so I'm hoping to have a big year uh, this 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 coming spring summer. So hopefully we get down that way to, to get a show. Yeah, man. Well, dude, it's been great talking to you and getting to know you. I'll let uh, Wendy know. By the way, thanks to Wendy, she's a good person to have in your corner. I like her a lot. Oh uh, yes, she's. They've been wonderful. Um, and and thanks. This has been a great interview. I appreciate it. great questions and uh, such a good uh, a good time. Thanks, buddy. Great talking to you. Take care. Talking about all the things I love. Yay, that's Adrian Sutherland. You can find him at adriansutherlandmusic.com. Precious Diamonds is the name of the album. March 19th is when it drops. You're hearing the latest single from that that's been released before the record comes out called My Rebel Spirit. You can find them all streaming services. As I said, go to adriansutherlandmusic.com. I really enjoyed talking to him. I did. He's a cool dude, man. Hey, gang, listen, when you're out there checking out adriansutherlandmusic.com, don't forget that you can subscribe to this podcast wherever it is you find podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Apple, wherever. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Let us know how we're doing. It helps us with advertising, keeping this show free for you, the listener. And don't forget, gang, if you're listening to this show the day that it comes out, you can come see Skyrocket tonight, February 23rd at 310 ACL Live. And on Monday, February 26th, the final uh, the final performance for a few months for Happy Land. Uh, 
yeah, get out there and check it out. Saxon Pub, 6 p.m. Have a great weekend, whatever it is you're doing. I will be uh, going to Miami. Oh, Jesus. I'll tell you guys all about it on Tuesday. Let's get down. Yeah.